You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So you might have to bear with me a little bit today. For some odd reason, I decided to stay up till 10 o'clock last night watching that debate. I don't think it ended at 10, but that's when I ended and just went to bed. Maybe it was like 9.40, I don't know. Either way, super tired and delirious right now. Which is a little pathetic, because that's, that's five hours of sleep. It shouldn't be that bad, but um, kind of a baby. Plus, what is it with winter? Why can't I wake up in wintertime? Springtime, I'm getting five hours and I'm liking it. Can't wait for spring. Anyways, it's not time to unleash the tangent. Although spring will... I mean, come on. It's going to be great. You can have a mini tangent about that, right? Anyways, on the docket today, we got some news about the CBA. I've been kind of talking about how, you know, trying to keep tabs on it. And because it's a big deal. And we'll talk about so far what the details are. Of course, we still don't have the news about the um, what the revenue sharing is going to be. And when you hear revenue sharing, just think salary cap. Revenue share is how much money do the players get, and the players get their money through the salary cap allotments, I guess. And I tend to think it's going to be very big. I mean, it's a 10-year CBA, 10-year agreement. And again, one of the big things, at least this is what I had heard you know, last year, was that gambling was going to be a massive infusion um, and then the other things that they're talking about adding into this I tend to think that it's going to go up quite a bit but I, I don't know we'll see um, a little bit of news around the NFL just briefly touch on that there's a vicious rumor that I'm sure most of you probably didn't even see much less buy into but you know feel like it's my duty to at least point it out and shoot it where it lies And then finally, the meat of the episode I want to look at is kind of taking a different approach to looking at the draft. I had mentioned how most draft picks are terrible. However, there's a lot of really great players out there. So how does that happen? Well, the obvious implication is that most most really good players started off as really garbage rookies, meaning we don't know anything about a rookie class yet. We really need to kind of wait and see how that's all going to work out. So I want to kind of approach that from a couple different directions. And the way in which I do that, usually, as you know, is to kind of just give different pictures, different contexts. If you look at it from this angle, boom, you know, just just trying to give little tidbits. Did you knows? Usually you didn't know. I didn't know. Nobody knew. But it's interesting. And again, it just provides more context into what all this means. But anyways, that's what's on the docket for today. If you want to be more involved in the Packernet podcast, we do have a Facebook group. I would very strongly encourage you to be in that group. 
Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. If you'd like to support the show, three biggest ways I can think of for you to do that. Number one, leave a rating and review somewhere, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. Number two, talk about the show, especially now that I can see unique listener counts. I want to see that number go up, which means I want lots of new people. So if you're talking Packers, like I know a lot of you do, maybe just slip it in, man, you know? Speaking of, there's this uh, podcast guy. It's funny because he's crazy, and it's like watching a car wreck, you know? And as that car veers off into the ditch... Uh, NFL statistics come flying out of the, you know, rear view window. That ought to sell them. There's, there's your, there's your pitch. That's your script. Now go hit the phones. I should do that. I should make a political campaign out of this. Just spam people's phones. Anyways, thirdly, you can support the, the show on patreon.com slash pack underscore daddy. You can help support my efforts for as little as a dollar per month. Set a goal this month to get to 100 uh, supporters, patrons. Thank you very much to Christian, Scott, and Casey for jumping on board. We are oh so very close to that 100 uh, supporters. We are at 92. We need eight people. If there are eight of you with a dollar to your name, I would be oh so honored if you could just slide that bad boy across the table. And again, don't forget, giveaway this month. One dollar is one entry into the competition, which logically would mean five is five entries. And But if you really want to increase your odds, might I recommend $10,000? I have a feeling you will win a t-shirt for that. It's a good investment. I don't know. I'm just saying. 10000 bucks a month, free t-shirts for life. I don't, I don't, I mean, what are you possibly complaining about? Anyways, uh, let's take a break. You go ahead and mull that over. If you're like me and you can't wait for spring, I got an idea. Rather than waiting for spring to come to you, why don't you just go to spring? In just a matter of, what, like a week? You can head on down to Arizona for the Cactus League Spring Training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventures, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. Week, what am I talking about? The first one starts tomorrow, Rangers at Royals. Friday, February 21st. The first full docket is February 22nd, which is Saturday. Brewers play the Rangers, Diamondbacks, Rockies. Astros aren't there because, I mean, what do they need to practice for? (laughs) You know. But 15 different teams are going to converge on 10 different stadiums, and you're going to have the opportunity to go down there with them, meet the players, get autographs, and just bask in the glory. The game today is set for 105. At 1 o'clock today, you know what the temperature is going to be? 76 degrees. 19% humidity, no rain, almost no wind. Also, zero clouds in the sky. Dude, I'm I'm seriously about to get in my car. I can't take this anymore. My phone said one degree when I woke up this morning. I'm tired of this. One. Just just keep it at that point. I don't even want the degree. Get out of my face with this degree. What is this, charity? One degree. But if you're ready to go run off to spring and you're tired of it, being delayed coming to you, then head on over to visitarizona.com slash springtraining and plan your spring training getaway right now. And remember, when you're packing up your bags, don't forget to pack your cryo-free CBD. Because if you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution cryo-free CBD roll-on developed by Omax Health. You don't need a prescription. 
just pop it out and roll it on, man. It's going to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, improve muscle and joint flexibility. It's all natural. It's CBD powered. It's going to work within 10 minutes and it gives you eight hours of relief. This is stuff that's used by pro golfer Kyle Stanley and lots of other professional athletes. They've got 95% of their reviews are five-star reviews. And you can go read their reviews and there's lots of people saying, I've tried all kinds of stuff and nothing works like this. They're going out and buying it for their friends and families too. And if you've got chronic pain, I don't know why you wouldn't try it. I mean, unless you already got your thing and you got your system. But unless that certain thing you've got works in 10 minutes and lasts up to 8 hours, you might want to at least give it a shot. And don't forget, Omax Health is offering my listeners 20% off a full bottle of cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on plus free shipping. This discount also applies toward any of their products site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter code OVERTIME. That's O-M-A-X-Health.com and enter code OVERTIME to get 20% off cryo-freeze and anything site-wide. Hookaladookalia. Where, oh, where to begin? Let's start with Mr. Greg Robinson. What? Some people must just be wired differently, man. Because I just don't get it. I mean, I, I, I think I'm ambitious. I tend to believe I'm a pretty ambitious guy. But I also tend to think if I made, I don't know, let's say ballpark figure over the last, you know, seven years, $29,110,251, I would probably just throw a lot of that in the stock market. If I was feeling a little saucy, I might start buying real estate or something. I don't know. I'd get a guy that could help me manage it. I'd have to watch it closely because, you know, there's stories about guys that you get that ruin all your, your money and don't do a good job, whatever. But it's pretty straightforward instructions. Put this in the stock market, and it better do very well, or you're fired. And next year, I had better have a lot more money than I had last year. That would be me being relatively ambitious. And of course, I'd probably want to do some kind of a side business. But point is, I don't think I would go to the extreme of saying, you know what we should do, man? We should do what Al Pacino did in that one movie. We could take this money and turn it into a lot more money by becoming a drug kingpin. And although I've never heard the argument, let's let's not even bother going down the road of legalization because that has nothing to do with this. This has nothing to do with him just trying to have a little bit of fun. This is a guy deliberately seeking out illegal enterprises to make lots of quick money. So if we legalize marijuana, he's just going to go down there and get heroin. The point is, dude, slow it down, man. I mean, really. In his first year, he got $14 million in cash. I'm not talking about the team's cap hit. Take 10 of that, invest that, live off $4 million just this year because you're getting another pile of cash next year. And you're going to be raking in about a million bucks a year, just in interest. I mean, event, but by this time right now, six years later, seven years later, million bucks every year. Boom, 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 like clockwork. I mean, I, I know this isn't a financial show. I just don't, I don't get it. These guys work so ridiculously hard to get it. And then it's like, no, this, this isn't it, man. It just isn't good enough. Now apparently he's facing up to 20 years in prison. And I, I mean, I don't want to just make fun of the guy. It's, it's genuinely upsetting. I remember there was a Chicago Bears guy, same exact situation. He he got a bunch of money with the Bears, and he decided he wanted to start up like a, a legitimate drug ring, like a, a, a legit operation. He wanted to take his money and pump it into this criminal enterprise. What is wrong with you? And apparently he wasn't alone. There was a former NFL wide receiver, Quan Bray. You know what this is. I'll tell you what this is. 
Greg Robinson should have got himself some good counsel. Instead, he ended up hooking up with Quan Bray. Quan's got no money left because he wasn't good with his money. He's not in the NFL anymore. He ends up going to play for the Montreal Alouettes, making like $4,000 a year or whatever it is they pay. And he goes and sucks it off of Robinson like, dude, I got this great idea. Here's how we're going to make a bunch of money. And then somehow convinces him, why don't you be in the car with me while we go do this? Dude, if, I, if we're at my house and I offer to pay pizza, guess what? You're, you're calling in the pizza and you're going to get it. And if it's delivery, you're going to the door to go get it. I'm not getting off this couch because I'm paying for it. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, by the way, 157 pounds of marijuana. I can't, I, that's just, how does that even fit into a car? How? I, whatever, I don't know. Pounds, not ounces. I don't know, maybe you guys don't find this interesting. I do. I find it interesting and bothersome that people could work so hard and not just do that last little bit. And the last little bit is take a bunch of your money, do smart things with it so that you're set up for life. Now, he was halfway there. He was trying to invest it. But, oh, my goodness, I can't even quantify the level of dumb. So, anyways, he's looking at uh, 20 years in jail. Probably won't get that because he's Greg Robinson, but still going to be pretty bad. What an absolute mess that franchise is. It's the Browns, by the way, if I didn't mention it. And, you know, Greg Robinson isn't the greatest left tackle in the world. But for a team that just traded away a bunch of offensive linemen to get guys like Olivier Vernon and to bring in Odell Beckham, who's potentially on the trading block, you have serious need already along your offensive line. Now Greg Robinson is gone. Maybe he was going to be anyways, but he's gone, gone now. And you're facing an offensive line in which J.C. Treader is probably your best offensive lineman, which isn't necessarily a knock. He's a good offensive lineman. But dude, what a mess. Anyways, in other news, Stephon Diggs apparently wants out of Minnesota. I'm not really sure why this is big news, because we've been saying this and hearing this forever. He's been unhappy there. There's talk about him. Oh, he deleted all that stuff on Instagram. Hasn't he done that like three times now? He's deleted everything with him relating to the Minnesota Vikings. I swear this is at least his second time doing it. He just, He's such just... Ugh. Sorry for sounding so complainy today, but the bottom line is we, we've, we've seen this before. Same old song and dance. He doesn't like his quarterback. He doesn't like his team. He's very open to, and I, maybe he's just really intelligent and is using this as a tactic, some kind of a negotiating tactic. Granted, he's got a contract through 2023, so I don't know what, he, what exactly he needs the leverage for, but the bottom line is I, I don't really see any reason why the Vikings would get rid of him. They did just give Adam Thielen a big contract, so... You know, maybe it's one of those we're paying our wide receivers too much money, but I don't think so because you kind of just paid Stephon Diggs also. It was just two years ago he got his contract, a little less than two years actually. So how do you give him a contract and then, you know, a year-ish later you give your other wide receiver a contract and realize, oops, now we shouldn't have given... That's just not a thing. You came into this fully expecting to keep them, so the Vikings don't want to get rid of them. Stephon Diggs does this all the time. He throws a temper tantrum, he deletes all his viking stuff and then he puts it back on and then he's fine and we got to go this do this whole thing do we want him the reality is he's not going anywhere vikings have no interest in getting rid of him stefan diggs will be fine he'll go back he'll catch some passes he'll get some touchdowns he'll do that weird like pouty face look at me i'm tough because i got a touchdown celebration and we're we're stuck with him we're not getting him i don't think he's getting traded and and you know the fact is there's more dead money if he gets moved than there would be cap saving it doesn't really start to make sense, or at least a lot of sense, to get rid of him until about 2022, when you save $12 million with only $3 million in dead money. 
But even then, we're talking about a $15 million cap hit for Stefan Digg. I mean, this guy's... I mean, for a guy as, as whiny as he is, you could almost see why he'd be so upset, because he's very underpaid. But again, this, this is what's so great about the salary cap increasing. I mean, maybe not from the wide receivers or the football player's standpoint, but he gets a five-year extension for what he thinks is a very good contract, and suddenly in 2022, when number one wide receivers are going to be getting paid $25 million a year or whatever it's going to be, Stephon Diggs is getting 15. So, and, and again, that gap is just going to keep widening because the salary cap goes up even more every year. So every single player under a contract is suddenly looking at people who are making so much more, which means you're going to have more disgruntled people. Which also, if you think about it, might mean you might start seeing shorter contracts, which is weird because usually what you want is longer contracts. But the longer the contract, the later it gets, the worse it gets. So unless they can just negotiate massive contracts that are heavily backloaded to compensate for them, which maybe that's the right way to do it, the smart thing would be to just get... I mean, if Tom Brady was smart, he would just do year-to-year contract, which he might do anyways. But any of these guys who are already kind of like on the verge of retirement, just cash in big this year. Like, just give me $38 million fully guaranteed, and I'll come play for you. And then next year, I want 40 If you can put up a good year, you can you can argue that you are a just a, a mercenary for the NFL. You want me to come up and carve up a defense for you? I will come be a mercenary. It's going to cost you $40 million. That's how, that's how you do it, man. I'd be the only football player in the league who'd be advocating for that. Well, Ryan, we want to lock you up for five years. Like, no, you're not. Five years. Look at Aaron Rodgers getting $33 million. At the time, it was like, this is horrible. That's way too much. How can any team afford that? All of a sudden, $40 million becomes reasonable for a quarterback, and Rodgers is just starting out his contract, and quarterbacks are flying past him like he's standing still. In two years, his, his contract is going to be a joke, which is great for the Packers. Probably not too much for Aaron Rodgers. But anyways, the point is, Stephon Diggs, I don't believe, is going anywhere. I mean, you never know. I mean, every single year, free agency just gets crazier. And it makes it a lot more fun to watch because it becomes, like, like I tend to call it, a dude soap opera. That's what football has become. It's all the drama with all the, all the shame of actually watching daytime soaps. You can, like, tell your buddies about it and not just live a lie. It's fantastic. And then, um, speaking of not going anywhere, and this is, you know... Whatever. It's just one of those things, and these things pop up all the time, but it's clutch points, whatever they are. I'll tell you what, man, I miss having a football website. I know I'm a part of one already, but getting that itch, man. Anyways, the title is Rumor Packers May Be Contemplating Moving On from Aaron Rodgers. Now, of course, the article is always going to be more, or, I mean, excuse me, it's going to be less salacious than the title is because that's just the point of all of these articles to get you to click on it, so then there's ads, like I just did, and then they make a little, you know, like a hundredth of a cent. But the point is, I don't think there's any real, actual, concerted effort or desire to put Aaron Rodgers in the rearview mirror. That doesn't mean they're not going to draft a quarterback. Again, I think if there's one available, they're always going to take a swing. But I don't think there's any situation in which they're going to try to do something crazy or drastic to move up so that we can move on from Aaron Rodgers. And another way to attack this article is it's ridiculous because, of course, they're contemplating moving away from Aaron Rodgers. They're contemplating moving away from everybody because that's the nature of the NFL. you got to have contingency plans. It's, you know, it's chess, not checkers. you got to be thinking several steps ahead. But anyways, the point is, if you saw the article, please don't panic. There's no rumor out there. I mean, again, if you click on the article and read it, it it'll calm your nerves. But if you're just reading the title like most of us do, 
It makes it sound like there's whispers that the Packers are looking to trade him, cut him, whatever. That's not the case. He's not going anywhere. He's got at least a few more years left. And then uh, finally, it was brought up on, I think it was the Draft Dudes podcast. Somebody had asked me, they sent me a text message. They had also heard that they were talking about the possibility, you know, apparently first year, excuse me, first round draft picks, if you go back last year and look at all the first round picks from four years prior to that, in other words, last year, players who are in the fourth year of their contract who are first round draft picks, I think they said about a third of them were all off of their team. Lots and lots and lots of them were traded to other teams. Well, they decided they wanted to go through and look at all the first round draft picks from 2017, meaning this would be their fourth year in 2020, and look at guys that could potentially be traded, looking to recoup some value from these first round guys that they're just not getting the value that they had hoped to get from them before they their fourth year is over and they have to decide whether or not they want to exercise a fifth year option, which presumably they don't, and they don't want to extend. And so again, they're, they're just trying to get in that, essentially in their last year, get some, some value for these guys. And one of the names that popped up that... Um, people were curious about as a potential trade candidate for the Packers is Corey Davis. Now, Corey Davis is pretty well known for being not nearly up to expectations. Six foot three, 209 pounds. He was the number five overall selection, but remember, he wasn't worth a number five, and even Tennessee knew that. The rumor was they tried desperately to trade back, and nobody would bite. And the question was, who do you take? And they decided rather than take who they felt was a better value, they desperately, desperately, desperately needed wide receiver and they decided they would reach. Now, where exactly they had Corey Davis, I don't know. Still potentially considered a top 10 pick, but they decided to reach on him. Either way, he's underwhelmed. His best year was in 2018, in which he had 108 targets, 65 receptions, 891 yards and four touchdowns. Now, the the interesting aspect here, of course, is that Matt LaFleur, who is the head coach of the Packers, was the offensive coordinator for the Titans, so he has some familiarity with uh, Corey Davis. This was Corey Davis's best year. It was his best year by PFF record or PFF grade. I mean, his grades across the board were higher in that year. His targets were way higher. I mean, his, his second best year was this past year. He had 30 less targets, 15 less receptions, and, you know, over 200s, call it 220 less yards, and one less touchdown. He caught 46 touchdowns in 2018 compared to 36 this year, 13.7 yards per reception, which is tied for this year and last year. Pretty solid number. And so, I, you know, I'm not a super big fan of Corey Davis. I don't think really anybody is. But I also think that this would be a first-round draft pick that is 25 years old, that Matt LaFleur, again, has some familiarity with. And and let's be honest, if we look at 2018, this would, I would say, by a pretty wide margin, be our second. Well, it's not true. Lazard was fairly solid also, but, I mean, grade-wise. But this would potentially solve that number two issue. Maybe. I mean, I don't, again, that's up to Matt LaFleur, and he would have to assess that. It's, again, it's also a good thing when you look at the fact that it was a spike, similar to what happened with the tight ends in Tennessee. There was a spike when Matt LaFleur went there because a lot of it, I think, has to do with scheme fit. Tennessee has had new offensive coordinators every year for like the last four or five years. And so you see all these people that come through there and everybody's got different ideas about how to run an offense. Matt LaFleur comes in, suddenly he gets a little bit of a spike. And so again, the, the, the compensation would be relatively low. I don't know exactly what it would be, 
but Tennessee would not get a ton for Corey Davis. And uh, his cap hit in 2020 would be $8 million, which is a little bit high. Again, keeping in the full context of the fact that this is a strong wide receiver class. However, if you also think that potentially what the Packers, you know, what let's just say the Packers take an offensive tackle in round one, they take a linebacker in round two, and they don't take a wide receiver until round three, it would probably be nice to have some kind of a security blanket outside of a third-round pick at wide receiver. I know we all want, you know, that first round, you know, maybe we get Rager, maybe we get LaVisca. I mean, who who knows who's going to fall? Maybe we trade up for a wide receiver, you know? But we have no idea. They could go defensive tackle, then linebacker, then tight end, then wide receiver. We we don't know. And as much as $8 million is maybe a little bit much for a good but not great wide receiver, which is what his grades have been. The last two years, he's been in the 70s. Good, not great. It's still going to be a better option at $8 million than some of these guys in free agency where you're going out and spending $14, 15000000 million to get some of these guys. I'm guessing Robbie Anderson is going to get very paid. So I don't know. It's an option. When I first heard about it, I thought, no, thank you. But the Packers have two sixth and two seventh round picks. If they would take either a 6th or a 7th, and you know how I feel about 6th and 7th round picks. They're useless, and they don't even offer any value in a trade-up. You try to move up in the 2nd round with a 6th round pick, you're not even going to be able to make it up one spot. So it has no value, and you're not getting any players. If we can get Corey Davis for that, maybe. Again, if Matt if Matt LaFleur looks at it and says, this is a great fit for our scheme. And he seems to be. We know they like big receivers. They like taller guys. Even in the slot, they like bigger guys. And actually, that may have been part of the reason that he's had a boost. In his rookie year, he played 50 snaps in the slot. That was when his grades were the lowest. He's had a bump up to 400 snaps in the slot the last two years, starting with Matt LaFleur, and he's seen a bump. Now, maybe that's just a natural progression for a first-round pick to at least get to that level of potential. Maybe that's part of what's helped him succeed and, and be able to get open. So I would say I'm leaning toward no thank you, but I wouldn't be super upset as long as it's a late-round pick in order to trade for him. Anything above a sixth, I'm all the way out. Anyways, why don't we take a break? We'll talk about the CBA and then take a quick look at uh, the draft. A little bit contextualized. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
You know, it's one of those things that everybody always assumes, maybe I should take care of this tomorrow. I know it's a thing, but it probably won't happen to me. But the fact is, every single night, local police departments across America get hundreds of calls from burglar alarm. Break-ins are a very real thing, and they happen all across the country in all parts of the country. Whether you're hypersensitive to this issue or you're very apathetic and think it's never going to happen to you, it's important that you realize that home security is a very important issue. And if you're going to get home security, there's no reason to go with anyone other than Simply Safe. Simply Safe is going to use real video evidence to give police departments an eyewitness account of the crime in real time. This means police will dispatch to your house on average 350% faster than a normal burglar alarm. You're going to get comprehensive protection for your entire home with outdoor cameras, doorbell uh, cameras and alerts that are going to tell you if anyone is even approaching your home. And on the interior, you're going to have entry alarms, motion alarms, gra- glass break sensors. Beyond that, Simply Safe is monitoring your homes for more than just break-ins. You've got fire protection, water damage, and carbon monoxide tracking. This is 24-7 monitoring of your home and the most important asset you have, which is your family. This is super simple to set up. You can do it with no tools by yourself or have Simply Safe come out and do it for you. The best part about all this, as expensive as it sounds, we're talking about 50 cents a day, no contract. So visit simplysafe.com slash overtime. You're going to get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got absolutely nothing to lose. Go now and be sure to go to simplysafe.com slash overtime so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime. All right, so big news on the CBA, which is not officially official yet. They haven't agreed to anything yet. But it definitely sounds like, well, first of all, there was a bunch of stuff that got leaked. But it sounds very optimistic that this is going to happen and it's going to happen this year. Not that everything is going to be implemented this year. Um, assuming it gets done soon, you're going to have an increase in the salary cap agreed to probably for this year. Um, in, I believe, 2021, there would be the change of the how many games, because the plan is there's been rumors, and this is the big part, the sticking part, so maybe it won't get done, but the expectation is there will be, starting, I believe, in 2021, 17 games. But the, the big news, and there's been some talk about this, but I didn't think it was this real, Apparently, it's it's basically a done deal, and it's going to go into effect this year, and that is that there's going to be a seventh team added into the playoffs. The way that, that that works is you add one more team into the playoff structure, but you pull one team out of the uh, the bye week, meaning what you'll have is three games on, on wildcard weekend, if, if that's what we're still calling it. you got six teams battling it out. Three of them move on, and obviously the lowest seed would go on to face the team that had the bye week. The other two teams would battle each other with the highest seed getting home field advantage. So at that point, it becomes just like the normal playoffs that we're used to. And so the question was asked, and I I haven't really heard arguments on both sides of this, but the question essentially was, what do you think of it? And my automatic thought, and by the way, I believe they're also uh, talking about three preseason games, which I think would help to, you know, little less wear and tear for the players is a little extra something-something. Plus, it's just a terrible product, and nobody watches it, and nobody cares. But my, my general thought, especially with the whole package of 17 games and everything else, is great. 17 games means more football. It means another week of football. Also, a, a big part of the reason why they want that 17th game isn't just additional revenue. It pushes everything back one week, including the Super Bowl. Why is that important? Because one week after Super Bowl Sunday is a holiday weekend. 
meaning people will be able to stay up late, watch the Super Bowl, and not have to go to work the next day. Not necessarily true for everybody, but a lot more people, meaning you have a lot more eyes watching the Super Bowl, which means more money. You have more teams in the playoffs, which means more football, which means more money, which means we get an additional game to watch in the wild card weekend. So it's it's just, all this just means more. So, you know, the players got to figure out what it is they want in terms of compensation to get this done, but why would I ever complain about more football? Well, it's more likely that guys get hurt. Yeah, that's true. But let me ask you this. Would you like it to get cut down to eight? Do you want eight games in a season? Because then it's really less likely that your favorite football player hurts himself. No, thank you. I would like more, please. Give them whatever they want. Give me more football. And let me also say, as somebody who now officially has a, you know, little business over here that revolves around the football season, giving me an additional week is not the worst thing for me. There is a very noticeable spike in listenership and drop-off in listenership during the football season and after the football season. Give me more football season, please and thank you. So yeah, I'm all the way on board with it, man. Again, if you have a very strong opinion against it, let me know. I will contemplate that and get back to you, but I'm just all the way on board. One less preseason game, one extra week of football, like real football, additional game. And by the way, it also increases the Packers' odds of getting into the playoffs. Yes, it means the Packers would not have had a bye or yeah, yeah, a bye this past year. But, you know, again, the first goal, well, technically the first goal is to win the division, which if you do that, you'll win any, anyways. But if you don't get there, the number one goal really of the regular season is to get into the playoffs and then from there find a way to win. Because once you're in, everything resets to zero, and now the Packers have an additional chance to get in. Now this is also additional chance for a team to knock out the Packers, but at the same time, not really. Because if you think about it, if the Packers get in, and I believe last year they would have actually played the Rams, because they would have been the highest-seeded non-bi-week team, and so they would have played on wildcard weekend as the highest seed, which means they would have taken on the lowest seed, and the lowest seed would have been the team that would have snuck in as the seventh team, and I believe that would have been the Rams. And so essentially... Although, you know, it isn't an additional game because of the buy. The point is, it's not one additional team because you play that game and then you go on to play the next game. It's still the same number of games for each team. You got wildcard weekend, you got your divisional, then you got your AFC, NFC championship, and then you got the Super Bowl. So that doesn't really change. Assuming you're not getting a buy anyways, you have three games to win. That's the same structure as it was last year. So, anyways, yes, I like it. All right, so what is it I'm rambling about the, the draft class now? If you just look at, let's just look at defense overall, and we'll filter out people that didn't play all that much, but in 2019, you had, if we're being super strict with exactly 80, not 79.9 or anything, which by the way was Kenny Clark's overall grade, we had 55 players with a grade of 80 or higher. 55. So there's a lot of very good players, defensive players in the NFL. Only one of them, Nick Bosa, was in that group from this draft class, only one. Now, that either means this is one of the worst draft classes for defense ever, or we're looking at a situation in which maybe rookies take some time to get better. Well, if we just go back in time, and again, this isn't a super scientific approach, but it's just one way of looking at it. Let's look at the 2018 draft class and see how many of these guys this year had 80 or higher grades. The answer is three. Folu, Folo, Fatukasi, Derwin James, and Marcus Davenport. Derwin only played five games, but it was enough to make the cut. So that's three. What about guys that are in their, that went into their third year? So the 2017 draft class. 
We've got three guys in their 80s and one in the 90s. T.J. Watt was 91.3, Jamal Adams 88.2, Marcus Williams 87.3, Miles Garrett 86.5. If you go back and look at 2016, guys that are in their, what, fifth year? I'm losing track now. we got five guys in the 80s and one in the 90s, Justin Simmons with Denver. Also in there, Joey Bosa, J. Ron Curse, D.J. Reeder, Chris Jones, Javon Hargrave. Again, Kenny Clark, 79.9. And then if you look at 2015, so this, I believe, is year five. This is going into year six, but I'm saying 2019, which is the grade I'm looking at. These are guys who played their fifth year. We have got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys in the 80s, one, two, three, four guys in the 90s. Starting from the lowest, going to the highest. Steven Nelson, Trey Flowers, Marcus Peters, Quentin Dunbar, Alexander Johnson, Daniil Hunter, Eric Armstead, Grady Jarrett, Zadarius Smith, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Harris. If we go to 2014, guys that played in their sixth season, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys in the 80s, or excuse me, eight guys in the 80s, one in the 90s, which is Aaron Donald. You've also got Stefan Tuitt, Adrian Phillips, Jadavian Clowney, Demarcus Lawrence, Khalil Mack, D. Ford, Jimmy Ward, Kyle Van Noy. Now, some of these guys have always been good. Aaron Donald was always good. Khalil Mack was always good. But the point I'm trying to illustrate is I don't think we can look at the 2019 draft class and say really anything definitively. Now, there's going to be some really good players who are always going to be good, right? That's, that's Bosa. Bosa is in that same camp. He's always going to be good. He was good his rookie year. He's going to be good next year. He's going to be good the year after that. But there's a lot of guys who need year two. There are a lot of guys that are going to need year three. Some of these guys are going to need year four. There's all these kind of goofy things. I think it was Calais Campbell I pointed out. wasn't good until like year seven. Maybe it wasn't Calais, but it's one of those guys. If you just look at Stephon Tuitt, second round draft pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was terrible in his rookie year. His overall grade was a 49.9. He spent the next two years in the 60s. It wasn't until year four when he hit the 80. He went, in, in 2017, he went up to 80, 80.5, 2018, 82, and then this year, 89. He went from three years of being basically a bust, which, by the way, very good for Pittsburgh that he broke out in 2017, or he would have probably been gone. But he showed that spark. He finally showed that flash in year four, and so they let him stick around. And now in 2019, he's one of the highest-graded defensive tackles in the entire NFL. He, he played on a level up there with Kenny Clark. You look at Adrian Phillips, and maybe this is a fluke because it was a small sample size, but he's been a non-factor for five years and suddenly got an 87.5, a near elite grade. Again, probably a fluke, but I don't know. He's only 27. Even Jadavian needed year two. Granted, he was hurt in year one, but I mean, it took him some time. And even then, he spent three years in the 70s and just the last two years he's been in the 80s as far as, you know, again, grades. But even if you want to look at sack numbers, and with Seattle, those numbers did go down, by the way, but it went from 0 to 5 to 6 to 8 to 9. And then this year dropped off to 4. Seattle seems to be the place where people just go to die. So we should probably stop getting people from Seattle like Jimmy Graham. And by the way, Greg Olson, come on, guys. But I guess the larger point, and it, you know, if I'm being completely honest, if you look at the 2018 class in 2018, there were six or seven guys that were in the 80s. So this is a pretty weak class, which is, again, hilarious because it just goes to show we don't know anything, because this is supposed to be a very strong defensive class. But still, the the overarching point in all this is the fact that some of these guys from this class are going to be very good football players that didn't show anything yet. Very few players are really good as rookies and are really good for the rest of their careers. That's just, has somebody who's stared at these grades 
and seen hundreds of different profiles for various reasons, it's almost never that you see somebody that's just solid every single year. You know, again, the Khalil Max, the Von Millers. I mean, even Aaron Rodgers has like two years where it dipped down into the 70s, which isn't bad, but I mean, it's just there's still, there's going to be dips. You know, and when he started out, his starting grades weren't all that great. Everything takes time, except for a very select few. So we don't know. And this this even includes guys, I mean, and I'm not saying definitively that it means that they're going to get better, because the fact of the matter is the vast majority of guys drafted in 2019 were bad. They're going to be bad in 2020. They're going to be bad for the rest of their careers, which will probably be relatively short-lived. But it's none of these things are impossible, because we see it all the time. D. Ford is another great example. Four years of being a complete bust in 2018. He's one of the best pass rushers in football. Gets 16 sacks and then goes to San Francisco. And I mean, I know he had a great reputation, but he, it wasn't nearly as, as good. But you, you just turn that back on Josh Jackson. What, what, what about that guy? He hasn't gotten a lot of chances, but when he got some chances, he actually kind of flashed a little bit. Could it be possible that maybe he's a decent corner? What about Kevin King? I know I've been critical of him. I've just been kind of honest. But he did end the year really strong. It seems weird to talk about a breakout candidate in, you know, in year four. But again, it's not impossible. It does happen. I've already given you examples of that happening. You know, there was there was talk about Darnell Savage being, you know, he's got a ceiling that is just through the roof. And he comes out and he plays good, not great. Do you know how Earl Thomas started his career? We know Earl Thomas is one of the greats, I mean, of all time. His rookie year, he got a grade of 61.3. Darnell Savage in his rookie year got a 66.6. Now, again, 60, that doesn't mean automatically, boom, he's Earl Thomas. That's ridiculous. The point is, we, we can't put a stamp on him and say, well, we thought he'd be good. Guess he's going to be good, you know, mediocre. We'll see. Earl Thomas didn't become great until 2013. He was drafted in 2010. His, his career path, his grade path was 61, 71, 72, 81, 87, 90.6. So 2013 in year four is when he broke out. Again, year four. And we forget this stuff because it's like everyone, it's just a, it's just a thing we know. Earl Thomas is a freak. And so we just assume he's always been a freak. No. He was an afterthought until year four. Then he was just a dominant, absolute freak show. Obviously, there's been several injuries um, that have cropped up. But basically, all the way through 2018, and then in Baltimore, there was a pretty big drop-off for whatever reason. I mean, it just seems to happen when you go to another team, which, by the way, is why free agency is just a bad idea. I mean, sometimes it's necessary. I acknowledge that. Sometimes it's a great idea, like Zadarius Smith. Very rarely, but it is. But usually, you're overpaying because you didn't do a good enough job with drafting and developing your own team. And so you have to go out in free agency. You have to overpay for a guy that is almost certainly going to fall off. And Earl Thomas did. In 2017, he was at a 90.2. In 2018, 91.3. 2019, 75. Still very good in coverage and all that, but pretty big drop. But again, that's beside the point. The, the point is, we have no idea. And there's reason for optimism. And this is the season for optimism. And so I'm going to pump you full of that stuff. Sometimes we're going to pump the brakes, but I'm also going to hit you with the optimism relatively regularly, especially around this time, because we don't know. And the, the exciting thing about it is we might have an Earl Thomas on this team. Rashawn Gary might be Jadavian Clowney. We just haven't seen it yet. I don't know. We know Elton Jenkins had a pretty good year, but how do we know he's not going to be one of the greats? And that, that's... we. I feel like we don't daydream about that enough, and I know it's very rare, but every year there's going to be elite players that crop up. In every single draft class, there's going to be somebody 
that is super incredible, and it's going to click at some point, and it's not always going to be the number one overall pick. You know, we, we hit on Kenny Clark. That was a, what was that, pick 30? Now, he's not Aaron Donald, but I'm not even necessarily talking about that. I'm just talking about a great, great player that you don't necessarily expect to be great. Nobody thought when we picked Kenny Clark at pick 30 that he would be one of the most dominant players in the entire draft class. But he was. People didn't even think he was worthy of a first-round pick. He was a second-round guy. So, anyways, I got to get going. We're way over time. I just get excited about stuff. You folks have yourselves a fantastic, I believe it's Thursday. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.